Hello everyone, welcome to the second PK podcast with um, myself, Kate, and Paul Jones from FRL. Um, today's podcast is called Filling in the Gaps. Um, we're about setting the foundations to become a strong and robust triathlete. And what's the podcast about? In a little bit more detail, it's about making a cake. My analogy is that a plain carrot cake is good, but adding the cream icing on the top of the carrot cake is better. But if you really want it to be the best cake, then you need to add even more. Like, you know, the carefully constructed little carrot toppings um, or some swirls in your cream. We all know that you know how to swim, bike, run. But this podcast today gives you ideas about the cream icing and the artistic flourishes. The stuff that you should do in over the long term to improve your performance, both in terms of training and racing. Yeah, sounds like an um, interesting analogy. It's not one I would have come up with, um, but I really like it. Today we're talking about just setting out goals, setting out the foundation for your training program and um, very, very loosely on how we would do that um, we're only going to be here 15, 20 minutes, so we haven't got long enough to go into it in full detail. But it, there's some key points we want to get across. The first one is about setting goals in your training and your program, working through the different types of goals, process goals, outcome goals, and also identifying your strengths and weaknesses. But we'll come back to strength and weaknesses a little bit later on. What would actually be a really good idea would just be to clarify what a process goal is. Yeah, that's a good idea. The main two different types of goals are process goals and outcome goals. So process goal is about following the process, making sure you do everything you can in the lead up to an event, in the lead up to a, a race, um, or even just leading up to a training session to enable you to do that training session or have the, that event and doing it to the best of your ability. Um, things like, have I done exactly what the coach said? Did I do my warm up easy enough in my training session? Did I go and do the interval at the required bit? Did I go too hard? Did I go too easy? Did I get my nutrition right? Did I take the right amount of rest? All those simple little things, follow that through to a race. Then when you come to race day, it's things like following that race plan and making sure you've done everything you can to have your best race. I think what's nice about yeah. process goals is they're really good motivating factors along the way in your journey. So it's about how you go about things. So each session you can identify and be able to tick off a process goal. Whereas what you're going to talk on about next, you can't, you can't do that. It, it's a harder thing to do. So you can have one or two in every single session um, of those process goals, which I think really keeps you motivated. Um, but then there's the outcome goals as well, which is the opposite. Um, well, it's not the opposite. That's wrong. An outcome goal is I want to achieve a certain thing. I want to get a certain result. So it might be I want to win Kona or it might be I want to achieve under 10 hours in my Ironman. Could be I want to qualify for the GB age group team, all those sorts of things. You can't control that. You know, if, if 10 Jan Fredenos turn up at Kona and you're on the start line, it's unlikely you're going to win. Um, but you can't control that. Whereas if you follow the process and follow the goals that you've set to do achieve your best in the race you'll give yourself the best opportunity for the best result you're going to get on that day and that applies in training as well it's no good saying right i'm going to ride 
100 kilometers today and I'm going to do it in under three hours. A lot of people, that, that's very achievable, but for others, that, that's mission impossible because it might be blowing a gale, you might have found a route that's got mega hills on it. You know, there's, there's, there's so many different variables that, that come into it. So focusing on the process is, is so much more important. And as Kate said, it's really important when we set goals later on. Um, but before you set the goals, we have to talk about strengths and weaknesses. Athletes have got certain attributes that are strengths, and then they've got certain attributes which are, which are also weaknesses, and they've got some that are both. An athlete that can push themselves really, really hard, that can be a real strength. But when it comes to a training program and actually following the program, it can be a real weakness because they're constantly pushing themselves too hard and overdoing what they should be doing in training. And therefore, their sustainability and their consistency falls out the window. Yeah, also, um, because if you, don't, if you don't listen to your body on, on the actual day, work towards the conditions of the environment on the day, then strength of pushing yourself under any circumstances can have a quite a detrimental effect on your overall performance. It's a little bit different when you're racing at, at that level, isn't it? When, you know, elite level or you're even an age group level when you're trying to win your race. If you're right at the front end and you, you're trying to push yourself beyond the limit, that's where things like, um, so when I race or when I, I encourage my athletes to race, especially sprint distance or Olympic distance, it's rare that they actually have a watch on. And the reason for that is, is if, if you're doing really well and you get the guy just behind you, coming up behind you, you've got to try and find another gear to go with them. And if you've got a heart rate monitor on that's saying, right, you're at, you're at, you're at your limit, and then the alarm's going off, the guy behind you knows that you're on your limit, so he's going to go and you're not going to be able to respond. I actually encourage athletes to, to race a lot on feel in, in that sense. Example of, of someone just pushing themselves too far and not, not quite listening to their body as much as they should have done, perhaps. Yeah. Or perhaps they got something else wrong in that process. You know, um, uh, we all know the iconic image of Alistair basically throwing Johnny over the line, but um, you know, it could have been something to do with nutrition. It, it could have been any number of things. It was extremely hot and humid down there, it? but it's, it was all about that process. But when we create a plan, the, the plan has to be smart for the athlete as well. I think that's really important. So it has to be specific. It has to be measurable. It has to be achievable. It has to be realistic. And it has to be time managed as well. So if you're going to say, right, I'm going to become an elite triathlete in six months, going from someone that can hardly swim, that's probably not a very smart goal. And we're trying to keep this simple, guys. So I know there's loads of other ways of establishing your goals, but we're trying to aim this at the beginner and the intermediate triathlete. And therefore, going into too much detail is actually probably detrimental to what we're trying to hit in terms of our target audience. You you beat me too. I was just going to ask you if you use a smart mnemonic with your athletes, Paul. You beat me to that. Stealing on my thunder. Thanks for that. You know, but yeah, just just to recap, it's a really good way to do. I think I think what often athletes do though, or people in general, even in in business, is they is they set goals, maybe both process and outcome. They use that structure. Um, to set smart goals um, which is great but then they never go back and review those goals um, and adjust them in light of different circumstances so I think that's a really important thing to do as well on a regular basis not just at the start and end of the season but certainly with your process goals you should be those should be changing 
quite regularly and you should be reflecting on the improvements that you've made and different sessions might require a different process goal and certainly you know working working with somebody else like a coach will help you identify and, and develop your skills in terms of writing personal smart um, smart goals and reviewing them on an ongoing basis just coming back to sort of strengths and weaknesses and identifying them uh, for athletes really important that you identify strengths so if you for example if you come from a wrong background you've identified that but then you also need to work out what your weaknesses are you need to work on the weaknesses so if you're in if you're a good runner it's no good in triathlon terms on continuing to spend time developing your run because with the greatest will in the world you might be the you might be mo farah coming off the bike but if you've had a shocker of a swim and a shocker of a bike you can have the best legs in the world but you ain't gonna have a good run because you'll have zapped everything else and you'll be so far behind it's 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 just not it's not really the best outlook on the sport of of try and therefore working on your swim and your bike to enable you to have the best run that you can have so you come off the bike with some legs is is much more probably a more intelligent way to race and probably a better way to race to get the most out of yourself and better way to train to get the most out of you as well use like um gap analysis for that so identify your strengths your weaknesses but also ask somebody else because they may well have a different opinion to you in terms of what your strengths and weaknesses are you can then use that to say where you are now and where you want to be and then that can feed into a plan of how you're going to get there and what what things you need to go away and find uh, practice get help with in order to for you to get to a to b on your journey so when when athletes create a plan and we're talking predominantly here about athletes creating a plan rather than um, a coach preparing a plan for an individual athlete the plans have to be yeah they're going to involve the swimming the cycling and the running of course they will it's the sport of triathlon but they should also involve uh, other things as well. So it's, it's things like practicing your nutrition. It should include things like practicing skills. Transitions is, is a great example of a skill that can be practiced by just everybody in every bike session that they do. Um, uh, people, people sort of say to me, how can we practice sort of putting shoes on on the bike? Well, the simple answer is stick your bike on a wind trainer or a turbo, um, put your shoes on the bike. And every time you start your effort, practice putting your feet into your shoes before you start the effort plans also need to include rest and recovery obviously strength and conditioning but i've got to keep cape happy folks and we would always encourage sort of family time and, and time away from triathlon so I actually schedule in fairly regularly doesn't mean every week um but it might mean once a month or once every couple of months an actual weekend of no triathlon and it actually means they're not allowed to do that and in their training plan i actually say go for a walk or go and play golf. I've got a couple of athletes that play golf. And there's, there's other stuff, isn't there, that, that needs to go into your plan and making sure that you've got time to do that. <laughs> time to do it, I like it. And of course, you know, most of our athletes will be working and looking after pets or other family members potentially. So, you know, it's not as easy as just um, writing a plan and, and doing it. And I think a lot of triathletes particularly worry about if they're not swim, bike, running and they're adding all this other stuff in um, and not smashing out miles on the bike or running for, for hours, whether they're actually going to be able to 
to rock up at a race and perform that that's what this podcast is about isn't it it's about filling in the gaps so to become a rounded robust resilient athlete you can't just swim bike run you need to do you need to do a bit of all the other stuff and actually I was just going to add there, looking at how much you swim, bike, run, there's probably a lot of junk hours in there where the session isn't of the quality that it needs to be. So you might as well bin it and, and do something different. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, a great. Another example of being swimming is poor body position and they'll get in they'll swim five 200s or 15 seconds rest and that that's great you, but you can have the best arm pull in the world but if you're dragging your legs through the water you're swimming with an anchor let's make you more efficient let's do spending time doing the correct stuff um, and every athlete's different as well so not everyone's going to benefit from the same thing so some athletes will actually benefit much more from doing that example of, of a swim set a threshold swim set um, it's really important that the athlete identifies what they're trying to achieve in each of those sessions. Yeah, the other day I was, um, I was riding with somebody, pretty good triathlete actually, um, and this person was keen to smash out hours and hours and hours on his bike, on, on their bike. And um, we were having a conversation about skills and this person just wasn't interested in improving their cornering technique or descending technique or um, mount and dismount because they were already strong on the bike now you can probably work this out but i'm not the best descender in the world or best corner cornering in the world however i was better than this person if i can get round saving 10 seconds on every single corner that is probably a lot of corners on a twisty turny 70.3 and even more on a on a long distance so you know how many minutes overall is that is that saving had they just spent one 30 minute session every fortnight doing doing 10 15 minutes of skills at the beginning of their ride but i'll let you work the maths out for that Paul. <laughs> it's a big number yeah um there's two, two things I wanted to get across in this sort of uh, creating a plan idea was um, the first thing is the plan has to enable you to achieve your goal. Uh, if you're training for an Ironman, have you done any rides over an hour? Uh, that sort of thought process and, and trying to achieve it. On the other hand, you don't need to do all of your rides over six hours. Um, and you certainly don't need to be running a marathon every weekend. I think the other thing that I'm really keen on as a coach is remembering that every athlete's plan is their own individual plan. Get a little bit frustrating when you see plans in in, in magazines or, or on the internet that are just off the shelf because they, they then try to get adapted by athletes and it doesn't work because there are other variables things like work gets in the way and work can be stressful stress accumulates over time and therefore fatigue accumulates with it therefore motivation and balance and uh, sustainability of that session of the training plan falls apart and what works for one athlete will not work or very unlikely to work for another athlete um, you get away with that for a little while, but after a while, it just it just won't work because the athletes are so different. So remember, it's your plan. Probably the big takeaway from the end of this part of the podcast. Yeah, I'm just going to add one more thing. In when you're building your plan, you need to build in time to review and reflect on how you've progressed or not, 
and and on an ongoing basis the plan isn't fixed it's a evolving an evolving document and um, that goes with you on your journey so that plan will and has to change um regularly and you need to keep a lot going back and asking yourself the question does this plan enable me to achieve my goals brilliant shall we move on a little bit to nutrition yeah let's first thing is i'm not nutritionally qualified are you nutritionally qualified no not nothing past the basics the advice i tend to give my athletes is I can give you a limited amount of information. I can give you some advice on race day nutrition. But if you're looking for more information, you've got to go to someone qualified. You've got to go to a qualified sports dietitian, to be honest. However, there are some basics that you can take away from this. And this podcast, as we mentioned before, is aimed at entry-level to intermediate triathlete. Balanced diet is key. It just needs to be sensible about what you do and stuff that's you know is bad for you or not so good for you i should say not everything's bad for you yeah just so there's plenty of color on the plate is a, is a good start so making sure you get lots of vegetables in there lots of um proteins and carbohydrates and finding those that balance um kate yeah absolutely support all of those and i I've, but the one of the things that is coming to the fore with sports um dietitians and nutritionists um, and has been for a while is about tailing tailoring your um nutritional intake around training sessions and training days so if you think about your um your training plan and the intensity of that so low moderate and high intensity days your, your food intake should be tailored around those sessions so on on high intensity days your carbohydrate intake is greater than on a rest day for example or a low intensity day and that's a really good place to start because actually what you're trying to do is the rest of the time is kind of balance your blood sugars so it can give you what you need when you need it rather than you know, this whole carbo loading thing doesn't really work they've kind of dismissed that now so your body can just about being sensible isn't it it's about making sure you get plenty to drink um drink and not so much in the way of alcohol uh and and also caffeine i mean caffeine has its benefits but at the same time just being sensible about it when you're training and, and when you're racing as well um you're not going to take my coffee my morning coffee off me though are you you know i get grumpy uh to be honest i wouldn't dare <laughs> um, uh, um yeah so well what what and also just things like Avoiding the desserts, keeping the, the sweet stuff as a treat, not always the easiest things to do on a training camp. But Kate mentioned to me that earlier on that um, we were talking about nutrition generally, uh, keeping a food diary every now and again just to check in with yourself. Um, and it's about you're in control of what you do. I mean, even with a great coach, the coach can only give you a map. You can, you've got to then follow it and then follow the, the sensible advice and the, the making sure that you're doing the right thing to enable you to do that training plan as well as you can do. Uh, I think that's really important. Yeah. And it's a good way of keeping yourself accountable as well. So there's no cheating on that. You know, you write down everything that you're eating and it'll just bring you back on track. If you've been um, having a couple of extra glasses of wine or whiskeys on a night or uh, a few extra digestive biscuits at three o'clock in the afternoon, 
And if you are having those little sweet treats in the afternoon, you probably need to look at how much you're eating on a lunch because you're probably either not eating enough or not eating the right things. I, I just want to mention a great resource. Um, that She is a lady called Rini McGregor. She's a qualified sports dietitian, has years and years experience both in private work as well as the NHS. Um, she's online, she's on Twitter, um, she's on Instagram, I think. And she's also written a number of books. Um, her first book was called Training Food. Um, and it's great. It's really, really good. Uh, Training Food, get the fuel you need to achieve your goals before, during and after exercise. It's easy to read and it's got recipes in there. So if you're not very creative, it tells you what you need to know to get started. She's also done... Um, a couple of other books, Food for Running Success and one, Food for Triathlon Success as well, I think, um, as well as writing about eating disorders within sport as well. Highly recommended to go and get that and, and it'll give you more than we can give you and feel comfortable giving you here. And that is a wealth of knowledge for something like 10 quid or something like that. <laughs> Easy peasy. Maybe we should start charging for the podcast. No, maybe. And then we could have a book each. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Also, including training plans, we need to have strength and mobility. Now, all of my athletes get strength and conditioning or strength and mobility exercises. Kate's much more of a strength and conditioning expert on this than, than I would ever claim to be but all the athletes get that um we're even trying <laughs> we're doing a virtual thing aren't we uh, we're gonna have a crack at a virtual session later on today as well um but I think it's really important so I'm actually going to hand this bit to Kate because this is this is not my area of expertise so uh, this is where Kate seeing whether you've been listening to me though wouldn't it it would probably be very interesting to see if I've been listening to you different place <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, um, at the basic level, strength and conditioning is around um, high-quality functional movements for day-to-day -day life as well as for your um, triathlon performance. So, you know, ultimately, you, you and your body need to be able to get into um, positions, stay in the positions that you need for your swim, bike, run strength and mobility work or conditioning work um, covers a, a really wide area so it's not just about lifting weights it's about control of movement it's about agility coordination it's about mobility and flexibility so are you physically able to get into the position you need to get into to sit on your bike and stay on your bike in that position for two to six, seven hours. If you can't, if you can't hold that position for that length of time because of some physical restriction, then you either have to change that position and you lose efficiency or you work on it beforehand so that you can get into that position. I guess what, what, you need to think about in terms of training is that in your plan you should be building in regular mobility work almost daily 
um, and your strength work as well kind of needs to be two to three times a week. One or two sessions a week allows you to maintain what you've gained and three times a week enables you to build on um, what you've gained. So if you think around um, your training plan in and out of season, you know, the time to build is out of season when you're doing less swim, bike, run. Um, or in our current situation now when you can't necessarily swim, bike, run. And then prioritise your strength and conditioning. In the times when you're in season or in race season, that may decrease to one or two sessions. And when you are in competition, you're probably looking at bits of mobility daily, but your strength is uh, maybe only one session a week. And it's just about maintaining you will retain your strength and power for a number of weeks, but ultimately you use it or you lose it. So you have to keep that going. Lots of benefits as well to, to doing this type of work, not just in terms of performance. It's about increasing bone density through loading. There is no loading when you're swimming. There's very little when you're cycling and the repetitive action of running means that the benefits you get or bone loading reduced because of the repetitive action of the joints. So if you can increase bone density through two or three um, strength-based sessions a week, you can re reduce the risk of bony injuries. So you're, hopefully you'll keep things like shin splints at bay. You're obviously improving muscle quality by increasing lean muscle tissue. You're improving and maintaining joint health through the nutrition is associated with regular control movement. And obviously if you're creating good control at each joint and effective use of the muscles, you're reducing the risk of injury because you're better able to control the movements that you're producing at speed. As well as being stronger and more powerful, means that you will have greater fatigue resistance and um, you'll have greater power and greater strength that you can then um, deploy into your swim bike run. The one thing I would say is don't necessarily need to go down to your local decathlon or the local gym and start deadlifting 100 kilograms and um, focus on movement control first and mobility so creating the shapes that you, you can get into how many triathletes that are listening can't actually touch the toes without bending the knees so movement movement control technique then strength then power so get strong and then shift that load quickly everything you've described is is brilliant and um, the only thing i would equipment for those sessions really doesn't have to cost a lot a lot of the sessions that i set um, athletes can be done in the living room at home it's a lot of body weight stuff <laughs> most of them the only equipment they use is a is a is a gym ball um, it, you don't have to spend a fortune on on equipment and if you do need weights even now in the current situation they're not always readily available we, we haven't got access to the gyms the way we traditionally have had um, but it, it's not hard to find a kilogram weight in the kitchen um, Every, most bags of sugar are about a kilo. Um, so you just need a couple of bags of them or even a couple of tins of tomatoes. Or as Kate says, it's all about the, the functionality and the exercise rather than actually the strength itself. So yeah, so 
that was a really good summary. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree about you don't need lots of lots of equipment. Certainly not initially. You, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Body weight, just make it slower, hold the positions for longer. If, however, you are experienced with a longer history of doing strength and condition on, on a regular basis, then there will come a time when you will need to go into a gym or have weights at home because just like swim, bike, run, it's got to be progressive. And then uh, I guess really the only other bit that we had in, in terms of filling in these gaps was knowledge gaps and where we're going to find or where the athletes are going to find the gaps of what, what they need to and where they're going to go. I mean, even as a coach, gaps in, I have huge gaps in my knowledge. I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm a triathlon coach. I'm certainly not a dietitian, not a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I'm not a physio. Uh, and I can, but I would then pass my athletes and, and push them towards certain other individuals who are professionals and experts in those fields so that they get the right expertise if, for example doing bike fits and point but i'm not a professional bike fitter and therefore if somebody needs um a bike fit then i'll send them towards a, a qualified individual to go and do that and um, if they need rehab or they've got picked up an injury or they they need new pair of trainers you know i'm I will send them to a qualified expert, which is one of the reasons that Kate and I got together because because Kate is an expert in strength and conditioning as and is a chartered physio. We go so I say expert because I'm still learning too because you learn all the time, don't you? Yeah, yeah. and then, well, you you can't sit still even as a you know. I've been doing professional triathlon coaching now for what 15, 16 years, and you know I think you're continually learning as you go and, and adapting and changing. And one of my biggest strengths is that I'm very critical of myself when I'm coaching, but also I actually think that's one of my weaknesses as well. Um, but by being critical, you see what works, what doesn't work. And then you learn from that experience and, and take it forward. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and that does feed in nicely in terms of the knowledge gap, doesn't it? So, you know, where are you now? Where do you want to be? Do you know how to get there? Do you need some help? If you do think you need some help, what help is it that you really, really need, really, really want? Um, <laughs> who can help you? you know, is that help available? Is that help available in your house? Is it some friends that can help you? Are you a member of a club? Um, do you need a coach? Do you have a coach? Um, or is it more specialist? So, is it the advice of a physio? Is it the advice of a dietitian? Um, and if, if you've got all that written down, again, that can feed into your plan. Um, you can make a, a goal, a process goal around getting that help. The final thing that I had on my list, Paul, was around accountability. So who's going to keep you on track to um, deliver the the things that you've set out in your plan and keep you on track to achieving your goal. I think there are very few people that um, can do that for themselves because we tend to focus on the things that either we like and or we're good at rather than things that we should be focusing on. Um, so, you know, do, do you need somebody to be true to your plan and achieve your goals? And that person should be there to kind of support you, give you guidance, tell you what to focus on, 
and tell you what you need to do rather than what you want to do. I would, I would have to agree with that. Um, uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, uh, not just about coaching or triathlon, but there's a lot of misinformation out there about a lot of things at the moment. Um, having one of the biggest strengths a coach can add to an athlete is that accountability. Um, another one is the, the sustainability of their training program uh, and the consistency of their training program. I would absolutely suggest getting, getting the right people to support you through your triathlon journey. Are we doing nutrition next time? I think we are, yes. I think um, our specialist partner is going to come on board for the next one, yes. That'll be brilliant. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Remember, keep smiling. Okay, you can stop recording now. Hold on. You are? Hold on. You're still recording.